And wow, would you look? Welcome back. This is season two, episode one of the Bottomless Podcast. That is spelled B E T M L E S S. To go straight into introductions, I am Kevin, and these two lovely people I am joined by are Leslie and Vincent. Leslie, Lil V Smith, Leslie resides in hawaii vince resides in los angeles i reside in panhandle florida fuck my life and we're just three brown friends hanging chatting shooting the shit about different topics that pertain to our weird lives in our waning 20s waning is such a heavy word i know very very (laughs) accurate but (laughs) i'm leaving Um, y'all this year from the 20s I know Kevin's turning thirty. Old as fuck. Exciting! The golden years. Can't wait. The golden. Yeah. Thirty is a new twenty. So, Um, also when you're listening to this, this won't be accurate. But um, a few days ago for you, and today for us is Valentine's Day. So, sending a lot of love out into the either all our friends watching this. and to be honest, in prep for this episode, I've been listening to love songs all morning, so I'm feeling very affectionate <laughs> and ready to spit some game. So let's go. Um, That's actually really funny. My friend um, made a love playlist, and I listened to it this morning. So we're all prepped and ready to go. Like not a not one for me, just like a love. Yeah. Yeah, you get. We're all prepped and ready to go for love. So we're all single and alone on Valentine's <laughs> Day, and this episode is us marketing ourselves for our potential future partners that being said on the note and, of love songs oh, sorry never mind i messed up your beautiful segue you had said it, set it up so well i'm so we're scared. keeping all of this we're not <laughs> we are gonna be efficient we're gonna get through this it's okay well uh, the audience knows that we're segueing but we'll pause the segue what were you gonna say well, I was just going to say the part I said off pod, which is funny that when we originally planned that we were going to be recording this episode about love and we were like, oh, yeah, probably like it would make sense to record it on Valentine's Day with the time we wanted to return. Like, I think we all at least I was a little bit like, well, yeah, maybe on Valentine's because like, you know, we don't know, like we might have plans. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> the record date came up and it like wasn't even a question. of anything. It was not an issue at all. Did I tell oh, y'all? I, I don't remember saying I had plans. We didn't even ask each other if we had plans. I don't have to ask. It was just like, yep. February 14th is coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need another drink. <laughs> um, but yeah, on the note of love songs, a lot of happy love songs, I'll say. I know there's a bunch of sad ones, too. But I'm curious if you guys have any favorite, like, happy or sad or just love songs that really hit you in the, the chest. Not this Vince lip making a return for season two. It will never die. It's you so know, I'll, 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 I'll give my, I'll give it, I'll give the answer to the question, but then I'll give like an answer of how I actually feel. Um, the fuck a twig song, home with you from Leslie from Leslie's playlist. Reminder that it's actually FKA twigs and Vince. No, 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 it's fuck a twigs. Reminder, it's fuck a twigs. Yes, go ahead, Kevin. No, that song is like I. It was ironic how. Didn't know that you were. Sorry. Um, yeah. To be clear, it's Home With You by FKA Twigs. Yeah, and it's such. So, like, 
I we our last episode of season one was on playlists, and so we all constructed playlists and then shared them with each other and listened about what 2020 felt like to us. And so I was trying to like compile these songs that really encapsulated how I felt. And then I was listening to Leslie's playlist, like on a 10 hour drive back to North Carolina for the holidays. And it was like five in the morning. That song came on and I started crying because that's that's a beautiful 5 a.m. song. I I was so emotional because like, you know, like, for example, being in the airplane, being in the shower, sensory deprivation. So you can experience things like emotion or music or art just in a different and more beautiful. You're more emotionally, more vulnerable with sensory deprivation. So something about like driving that sense, that sensation of separate sensory deprivation or nighttime when the sky is all like dark, but it's barely light is breaking. So that song comes on. I'm already in like a vulnerable place because of the actual like sensory deprivation levels going on. But then like emotionally, I'm in a vulnerable place. And that song comes on. And literally, had I known about that song, which I'm so grateful to Leslie for that, had I known about that song, I could have deleted all 20 songs off my playlist and just put that one song <laughs> and, and put that like, so, so that was like, I, I was, I was literally before this, before we, when we were getting ready, I was trying to go through my playlist of like, what's one song, my favorite sad or happy love song, like what's, so I'm going through all the oldies songs, I'm going through the, the punk rock emo songs from my high school, I'm going through like my alternative song, like Lord and, and all these all different, Sam Smith and, and all these different, and I'm like, man, I can't, and I was like, it's just, I, it's undeniable, I didn't want to pick this song because it's so fresh and it's so new and I only known about it for like two months, but this is the song, so that's the song. But what I will say, I watched a documentary on Motown recently, and the, the founder of the founder of Motown, Barry, said there, he was trying to do jazz music. Motown, the, the founder of Motown, was trying to originally do it uh, labeled around jazz music, and all the artists were singing blues, and he didn't want to do blues, and he encapsulated blues music into a thesis statement and said he was like blues music, essentially at its core, is just I love my baby, my baby doesn't love me. He was like, how many times can you, he's like, how many, how many different ways can you, can you say that statement in songs? And he was like, I had no idea. The Supremes, Smokey Robinson, Stevie Wonder, Diana Ross, um, like all these powerhouse artists and groups and Jackson five. He was like, I had, I had no idea. So like, if I had to like the fuck, the fuck of twigs, the home with you is like the song right now. But honestly, that, that genre of music, no matter whether it's in like, that Motown style or whether whatever, wherever you find it. Cause like, like the, the, the home with you song, that's kind of like, it's that's kind of in that vein. A lot of songs, if you listen to a song, and if you compare it against that thesis statement, I love my baby. My baby doesn't love me. There's a lot of songs that fall into that genre of that's the emo that's a felt experience. That's a felt human emotion. If you've, if you've been through that before, you can go through that with parents. I'm, I'm my, I feel my father doesn't love. I want my mother's love on my siblings. I want my friends. Um, so that, category of music is my favorite love song not like the ha- i love happy love song celebratory shout um you know you make me want to shout throw my hands up like i love that, happy love oh, songs so cute, Wait, is that a love song love th- song. <laughs> is that a love song i always assumed it was like a worship song but no no it's, a, it's he's like so the, the song if you listen to it he's saying like talking to a like, talking to a, a romantic other and saying like you make me want to shout and like you know, I use it. Thought of that as like a gym, like when you're in elementary school, they play that song, gym time, like free play time. <laughs> yeah, I love the show. What, the one by the Isley Brothers. You make me want to shout. Yeah, yeah. 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 run around and. Oh wow! I mean, because it's in a gym for some Leslie was wilding as a kid. She was literally, she was screaming. She was going off. Um, no, so I love happy love songs, but that I don't know. Ever since a kid, that um yearning of the soul of like forlorn love of 
I desire something that doesn't desire me back is like my favorite genre and category because it's so like native to my my human experience of like these 29 years on earth. Oh yeah, I feel that. Honestly, fuck happy love songs. And maybe when I'm in love and 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 married down, I'll change my mind. But until then, <laughs> not now. One of the love songs that I that are top of mind are happy love songs. Even the ones that are not like about being rejected. It's like almost a uh, emotional, like almost melancholic. Like I thought of uh, "Can You Stand the Rain" was one of the first ones that came to my mm-hmm. mind. Um, okay, how did that one go? <clears throat> on a I'm not going to sing it. Like, if you sing it, I'll probably recognize it, but I can't. Sunny days. Oh, that Everybody one? loves them. Tell yeah. me, can you? And then um, there's uh, Alive with the Glory of Love by Say Anything, which is very dramatic. They're in a relationship, but the drama is real because it's like based at being in like a concentration camp. And it's like, I won't let them take you away from me. So very, the drama is real, even though they're in love. (laughs) It's such a good, it's a classic pop punk song. I didn't even know that that piece of it was the storyline until um, like two years ago when I was singing it drunk at emo night. Um, Oh, the best love song ever, actually. Uh, Hands down by Dashboard Confessional period 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 is my song to a lot of dashboard confessional but i can't think of how that one goes what it goes hands down this is is the best day i have ever it's such a like yeah it's such a good song it's such oh my god dashboard confessional takes me and then one more outside of the pop punk and rb realm is there's this song from the 90s it's like a trip-hop song called uh lamb by Gorecki. and to me that is the most angelic that is love in a song form like it literally moved me i i literally saved the lyrics for this moment so i can't wait to share it with you all one second the drama is real I'm so excited on the edge of my seat wait, let me find it oh it's so good so moving so beautiful uh again i've been listening to love songs all day so i'm in my my feelings but it's want to stay right here till the end of time till the earth stops turning gonna love you to the seas run dry i found the one that i waited for and then she's oh it's so good this is amazing we've unlocked so a new portal guys wait how do you spell the artist's name i want to look it up and listen after g uh g-o-r-e-c-k-i oh i found it i thought Vince i found the one i've waited for wait you thought i was about the what I thought Vince was about to quote the lyrics and it's about to be it was about to be one of two things. It's about either about to be man, I love them scrippers, or <laughs> one of one of Vince's back in our Fadeville days, Vince's favorite love song of all time that he would quote to me all the time was if we ain't busy fucking, then I am fucking busy. Ah, <laughs> let that song go. Let it go. That was not me. Now I love them strippers. That was my song back in the day. Uh but biz tiger is it busy by Tiger? That was Kevin's song. Is that what it's called? I li- literally, you told me that song because you hated it so much. You were so bothered by it. That's the only. I didn't even know that was a song by Tiger. I didn't know the song title. I just I never. I remembered it in my head because Vince was so upset about that statement. He was like, "That's such a fucked up statement. If we're not busy fucking, then I am fucking busy. We ain't busy fucking. I am fucking busy. Money. There's a lot of good dance videos made of that song though. So there's the positive. Oh, God. Sorry, oh. I'll calm down, Leslie. Your turn. <laughs> Leslie, what's your favorite? 
Okay, so for me, I feel like it's funny how this question for all of us, we were like, oh, let me go back through. You know, it's funny. It was that instinct to kind of go back through like the songs that have pulled upon us. And I did the same thing, albeit kind of quickly this morning. So this isn't an exhaustive, but I think that love songs and how you like them, there's like the categories of like a general feeling of like, oh, that just pulls at me and you can feel that it's about love and you really like it. But then obviously there's some and not even because of like the lyrics or the circumstance but it's like tied to specific loves and those are two different kinds of like so I'm just gonna do obviously like the more general like but one of them that came up I pulled back from a playlist I'd made in like I think 2013 ish or something like that on my phone I can't see the year um I should have looked at it on my computer but, but it's called put your back into it by perfume genius and it's like, no, it's genuinely so beautiful. The it's, lyrics, it sounds beautiful, but not in the way that I feel like you're saying. So I need well, it to unpack is, that. <laughs> the, the lyrics are, put your back into it. There's still grace in this. Let me be the one to turn you on. Yes, it's obviously mm. like about sex, but it's on, It's mm. about queer sex. Mm. Like the artist is gay. I'm pretty sure mm. gay. And it's just like so beautiful. And there's one line where it says there's love with no hiding and no fear. Mm. And, you know, it's mm. one of the most beautiful songs about, I don't even feel like it's about sex. Like it could be, it is, but it also, you know what I mean? It just applies in so many senses. Um, so that one has always been just one I think is so beautiful and I'd kind of forgotten about it and found it. Um, a few more, uh, You're My Excuse to Travel by Baths was like for a long time just like oh just Come like that yeah how it sounds and just like kind of the lyrics are very to me kind of it's like that a little bit frenetic feeling um and then oh, these are all just in one sort of vein though but like um such a p sad puppy dog by woo life i all none of these are like probably ones that anyone can be like yeah i know <laughs> but it's spelled oh. w w-u-l-y-f um and it's like here's it's a kind of rendition of the vocalist that's kind of how he sounds and yeah, i mean that was a compliment <laughs> but it's so good it's just how it sounds is like and the build the emotional build um and last but not least one this is not a good exhaustive list but um there's just these specific lyrics from this song by joanna newsom i always like resonated with in the realm of love it's her song good intentions paving company and one of the lyrics is like i'm in a fist fight with the fog baby which for some reason i just always was like that can be a specific feeling in matters of the heart mm. like it's like you're you're exerting all this what you think of as like how to fight for whatever but it's like you're fighting with fog um and then she has this lyric that in the same song that's like um Lord, you know it's a shame when I only want you to pull over and hold me till I can't remember my own name. Uh. And just like what that evokes, like the idea of like you're in a car and you're driving through light and you're just trying to do like the practical things and like whatever. Maybe, you know, to me it evokes like conversation or maybe you're having something tense in the car and it's like just fucking pull over and just like hold me. Like, you know what I mean? And like, let's go to that other place like where I forget my name and like, yeah, so... That's beautiful. So all that being said, obviously our topic for today is love. And for everyone who guessed on our poll on Instagram, y'all were wrong because the majority of our listeners, we asked the question, 
a couple weeks ago what do you guys think our first topic of season two is gonna be love or heartbreak and like the majority of people guessed heartbreak so y'all were wrong um <clears throat> wait shout out to our instagram engagement over our break though all the people joining the lives it's been kind of yes lit. thank you guys Bye. that was really fun um but I guess the f- where I thought we could start the conversation is talking about the phenomenon of love itself. So kind of like my, my first question for you guys is, do you feel like romantic love is something that's created by and between people or is it something pre-existing and external that people tap into when, when you fall in love? I think it is both. <laughs> Um, what does a rainbow come like, from, Vince? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I think it is both, but I feel like in in different ways. So my conception of love is pretty. Well, first off, would you say that you've ever been in love? Ooh, no. we're really just cutting. You would say no. Damn, let's no. go straight for the neck. <laughs> that that was one of the things I was reflecting. I think the w- one time that I was certain that I was in love was when I was like an early teenager. But I think I was just processing the very strong feelings <laughs> of rejection and then like desire. But I think I was confusing that for love. In retrospect, I don't think I've been in love. Mm. Have y'all? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Next question. We're not answering that question because <laughs> Vince told me for an hour on Instagram live that I wasn't. So I have no answer to that question. The live is on our Instagram currently. And you can see me saying that <laughs> I will not tell him how he feels, but I gave my outside looking in perspective. Leslie, what about you, Leslie? Leslie, you answer first and then I'll answer. Um, I think so. I think there's so many different kinds of love. So even within falling in love, I feel like there's an infinite number based on the number. I've said this a million times before. I really think there's as many kinds of love as there are people. Like each love is truly going to be unique. And I, I think there's a universal grouping of like these types of loves that happen between people generally will fall into the group of like what we think of as in love romantically. So I would say, yes, I've experienced in that category, but obviously not the full spectrum because it's so wide. You know, I thought I, I thought about how to answer that question today when I was like driving back and forth between church and here because it's like a 40, it's like a 30 minute drive. Um, and I was, it made me think about me and Vince's live and like some people were discounting it. What I felt like was an experience of, of love. Some people were discounting it on the premise of time or like youngness, like young, it was short, it was youngness, you're like, you know, the relationship was young, except. And so it made me think, and I was like, huh. I was like, hey, if I like, if like, if I saw a four-year-old telling his mom, mommy, I love you, and I said, no, no, you don't. You don't know what love. Like, would you do that to a four-year-old? Ooh. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, moms and dads out there, guess what? Until like, until your kid, your child, until you, until the world decides they're mature and old enough to like fall in love or be in love then there you can't say you have to like tell them you're not allowed to say love Hmm. hey mommy i appreciate you hey mommy i respect hey mommy i'm grateful for hey but don't let them say love if when they get into a relationship at 12 years old 16 18 21 years old and they go mommy i i love her or daddy i love him or xyz or i love them you go ah you don't know what love so it's basically capitalizing on leslie's topic or on leslie's answer right of like there's so many different variations of love 
Um, and I think, I think the romantic, I think like Leslie does that there's so many versions of love. So like you can see elephants, like they hold funerals for when they're, when, when an elephant dies and elf, elephants hold a funeral. Like they said, when Robin Williams died, he had this gorilla he would talk to and they told the, and the gorilla knew sign language and they told the gorilla in sign language, Robin's dead. And the gorilla mourned for like days. The gorilla's like really sad. And so you go, man, it's beyond, it's beyond human. It's like this species thing where like, you know, there's like swans. I think swans are monogamous. There's certain birds that are monogamous. Like there's this idea of like beyond human, like beyond the human experiences, there's this experience of love that's like so powerful. And it's, it's, it's romantic man and woman, man and man, woman and woman, non-binary. It's, it's relational. It's, it's grandmother and grandson. It's siblings. It's, um, it's love for culture, food, movie, art. It's love for city. It's love for um, sunlight. It's love for like the breeze. It's love. Like there's so many different variations, right? But because of, because of pain, people discount if when someone has their, because people have been through heartbreak or because people know stuff doesn't last, things fall apart. Call back to the book. People discount the romantic love. So if I tell a girl or a guy, I love you romantically, it's discounted because that person has seen so much in life. Someone else say, I love you romantically, and then things fall apart and they no longer are together. Maybe they might say hateful things to each other. And so there's this idea, this notion that romantic love cannot exist without the counterpart of a lifelong commitment. There's this discounting of, and that's kind of like what I've been mulling over for the past few days of like, man, like I used to feel this way. I used to feel, and I, I couldn't, but I knew in my heart with me writing poetry and how like emotional I am, I know what I feel, what I fuck, like promise you this. I've been romantic, I've, I've been more romantic lovey-dovey, emotional, and my passion about women that I wrote poetry about who I don't even remember anymore than some people are about people they've been married to for like 10 years. And that's like, you can, it's tangible. I put, I pulled a poem up for five years ago and you go, holy shit, who is this about? Like what, what spirit possess? So all that to say, like, I, I believe in romantic love. I believe there's all kinds of different kinds of love. And I think for me, the two types of love that I, I, I've, been trying to study and wrap my mind around for the past year or two years is I think romantic love is a thing that can stand alone. Like you don't have to have a couple with anything. Um, but I don't, I like Vince made a fair point on our life. I don't, I don't consider infatuation. I don't consider emotion. I don't consider passion the same thing as romantic love. I think those can be markers and indicators, but I do think you can have passion, infatuation, emo strong intensity of emotion without romantic love. And I'll, I'll try to explain what I mean by that. But I think there's romantic love, which can stand alone. Like I can like love someone for three months and then like for whatever reason we fall apart, but I still love that person. And then I think there's a kind of love which American society has, con life, pain, heartbreak has conditioned us to use this definition as the end all only viable definition of love, which is commitment. Will you stay with me until death? Till death do us part. And if you don't, that's not love. You don't stay, if you're not willing to see the, if you haven't even seen the bad yet and stayed, then you can't even say. So it's what marriage is built on, right? The idea that I'm not going anywhere. I think one of y'all said, have y'all been in love? I, I, 
<laughs> I no longer because of the hour long. Own it. Own it. Because of because of Vince like hitting me over the head for an hour saying you weren't in love. <sighs> I no longer say and because of the person that I think I was in love with telling me what they thought about my love for them. I was like, you know what? Like when he, I think Leslie Vince, you Vince, you credited Leslie with this statement. Words aren't the language of thought. So for me, I started saying, I think I said it in a poem that I wrote, I haven't put out yet. I said, fuck the word, fuck the language. Okay, you don't want me to use the word love, fine. One thing you can't deny, one thing that I know to be true about my experience, if my soul was like a carpet with fabric, your soul came into my space, my soul laced and wrapped its fabric into yours so that when you, so that when you left, when things fell apart, it tore the fabrics and a piece of my carpet went with you. The carpet being my soul, the tapestry being my soul, a piece of my fat, you took something from me. And now it feels like my soul is like lying on the ground, maimed, like severely wounded, bleeding out, shrieking on the side of a desert highway, crying in agony because a part of itself is out there somewhere and it won't come back. And it's in like, so it's like, okay, you don't want me to say I loved you. You don't believe I was in love with you. What I do know is my soul attached itself to your soul. And when you left, you tore a part of my soul from it. And ever since I have felt that void in my, like I haven't recovered, like it's no longer I recover and that replenishes itself. I'm walking around in the world with that scar on my soul and you can press it and that pain still feels fresh. So like romantic love, absolutely 10 out of 10 believe in and, and, Feel, and believe as if I experienced that before. Well, I love that. Um, fuck the words. I, I'm excited for that poem because that's powerful. That moved me just hearing it. Um, but to actually answer your question, Leslie, I feel like if it's okay, I would need to define love um, because I think that's why my answer to your question is both. It's something that external that you tap into as well as something that you cultivate. Um, and again, I will say this is actually very healthy for me to define this. So I might encourage people to think like, what is love for you? But um, I, I scratched this because Kevin asked me on the live and he, he got a very like poor undigested definition from me. Uh, but building off that part of that is still stands like to me. Um, and maybe it's good that I'm starting because I'm probably the most boring and secular. I feel like you guys will define it in a way that's way more poetic than me. Uh, but for me, um, love is kind of a container for these, for a few things that are part of the human experience that we all go through. And the first would be attraction. Also, I agree that there's different types of loves. So it doesn't have to be romantic love. So attraction. Um, and for me, that might mean sexual attraction or maybe some sort of platonic attraction. Uh, but that that sense of like physical um, or emotional traction. And then the other piece of it is like the experience of bonding and acknowledging that as a species um, and beyond our species, the, the, the other mammals, other animals, like we are just nece necessarily like a social being and human bonding is a part of the human experience. Paired bonding is a part of animal experience. Um, so those two things, which is kind of what I send the live, I think are like the underpinnings. And then the third one that was heavy for me to process, but I think is also tied into love is that in light of those two 
more like biological or anthropological underpinnings. There's a psychological one. And that's this idea that we all know, we might not admit, but there is an understanding that we as humans need other people. Like we can't do this alone. And that's informed, I think, by being attracted as well as like the experience of bonding. But I think that's a separate like psychological background noise. Um, and those three things are very complicated. They're very powerful. And I feel like as humans, we have tried to just conceptualize different things from that, that has risen into like, what is love, which in itself is still pretty fluid because all those things look differently in different relationships. Like it's not just romantic, um, but because I think love is just a container for these like very complex things. I think that a, it is something that you have to cultivate. And that's kind of the piece um, that I think, again, I was doing a bit of an undigested job in our life talking to Kevin, but I do think um, time is a variable of that, but it's not the only variable, mm -hmm. but time spent cultivating a bond, whether that's romantic or just like a platonic bond. This uh, podcast. This podcast being whether an example. Whether it's romantic or this podcast. Um, but that is time spent cultivating a healthy bond. Um, having clear intentions and the end goal of that bonding because there are different types of love. So if one person wants um, something that is romantic and monogamous and the other person just wants like a close friend, like those, those kinds of things take time to cultivate and nurture. So that's something that you cultivate. But I also think there's just a beauty of the history of our species wrestling with these different concepts that are very complex. And I think regardless of how like biologically precise they are or maybe they're just purely artistic i think that is a, a common thread in our human history that we get to tap into from time to time hence why songs like the ones we were mentioning were so powerful and so moving um so i think that framing of love is why i do think it's both not a either or but a, an and does that make sense what is the part in your definition that is external um i think that history is external. Like it's okay. external to us, but we're also part of it. Like the but collective like, like energy essentially that has been built up from like generations and generations of our species wrestling with this thing. So both the narrative mm. force in our culture and do you think there's also though some element that isn't purely just like, you know what I mean? Like, do you think there's actually like a force that has been built and that is, you could say spiritual uh, or whatever? Like, do you think that or was it more grounded? I like don't, unfortunately. No. I'm, that's why I'm glad I started. I feel like I'm less fun than you guys, but uh, not to be a super secular oh, pessimist, oh. but I, I, I don't think there's like an energy or like some supernatural or like that we tap into. Um, to me, like these are just concepts that speak to these complex things. So I, I have a lot of love for, um, like I'm sure Kevin will talk about tapping into energies. And I feel like I always really enjoy hearing these things and they, they provide me like new ways of speaking about it. But in my mind, it's purely this like humanistic urges and desires and hormones that are complex and that we're wrestling with constantly. I'm going to say something that Vince is it's Vince and our audience is probably going to perceive as very condescending but it's not condescending, I promise you. Uh-oh. That is the worst thing you could say before anything. <laughs> okay, what is it? So Leslie, you asked Vince if he'd ever been in love before. I did. And he said no. He did. 
if at if at any point in your life romantic love yeah romantic if at any point in your life that happens and like it happens in a way that mimics what is dramatized in american art and literature european art and literature like what would the forms of like greek and these things that we're, we're familiar with in song and art and like movie and in and, and, and valentine's day like the love if that ever happens if you wake if you wake up one day and, and to be fair you're right when you say if because to be determined if it will happen it, but, but if ahead. that if that if that happens <laughs> when, when it happens when it happens and you wake up one day and songs that never made sense to you, movies that never made sense to you, feelings, weather that never made sense to you and people's experience and explaining of things that never, when those happen, I, I, we don't have to do it on a podcast episode. I want to revisit this conversation and see, and, and have, oh, Le- absolutely have Leslie. No, react we will do it on a podcast. when Vincent falls in love. Leslie's like, y'all are getting oh. all the deets. We do that. We need if we if we ever start spilling spilling shit like that, we're absolutely opening a Patreon and charging people. We're not about to just give oh. them our personal. You got me fucked this shit up. Ain't free. You got me f- at least a five dollar. You about to like have to access that shit for money? Fuck that. No, that's not condescending. Unless you're saying that everything I'm saying is absolutely wrong, and one day I'll finally understand. No, because but... like you know, how you tell. You, you, you'll <laughs> I'm tell, not taking that as such. So no, because you'll tell a kid like when you get older, you'll understand. You're not saying that in a condescending way. It's because you were you understood being their age. It's like like how do you? My youth group is never going to watch this. One of my youth group kids asked me, why did you stop coming to youth group? Ooh, T. Awk. And I remember thinking to myself, and I can't even say it here because the grownups might actually watch it. I can't tell you why I stopped coming because it has to do with what happened in the sociopolitical racial tension between the police state and the black community in America. Like, we're in a church for the white people. You're white. Has nothing to do with you. Has something to do with these white people. I can't tell you that as a 12 year old, like, I don't, I, I could, you could, I could, I would. <laughs> the only reason I wouldn't is because I don't know that 12, 14, 15 year old's mind state well enough to know if me unloading that level of gravity and darkness and burden on them is healthy for them at this point. I don't know how my words and opinions are going to affect their view of who I'm talking about. If I name names, I don't know if I'm going to lead their heart to hold bitterness towards me or towards that. Like there's certain carefulness that I walk with of like, if your parents are getting divorced and, the, and you're say your dad is a piece of shit and he's smoking, beating your mom, all this shit, but you don't see it in your mom for the mo- for the majority of your life until you're like 40 or 50, you find out maybe and you go, mom, why the fuck didn't you never? And she goes, I was, she goes, your father did what he did, but he's still your father. I never wanted you I, if you found out that was one thing, I, I never wanted to badmouth your father. Like, that's a thing that happens with like divorced couples and the one parent, sometimes they do just speak toxically about the other parent to the child trying to infiltrate their mind with, you know, fucked up things. Some parents go, I don't care how bad that other person is, mom or father. I will not speak ill of their, of their other parent to them. I won't do it because I know the gravity my words hold. So sometimes going back to the original thought, sometimes you'll tell, you know, it's fucked up because kids feel like, you don't tell me when I get older. Fuck you. Like, what do you mean when I get older? Like, well, you'll get older, you'll understand. But that's why I didn't want, I didn't, I know people take it that way. So when I was saying to Vince, like, if there comes a time in your life when you experience a certain array of emotions that maybe feel novel to you, I want to revisit. And I didn't want that to come off as like, when you get older, when you have that, you'll, it's like, I didn't want it to seem like there's like this hierarchy of, of human experience that if you couldn't relate, then it's like, oh, you'll, you'll get it one day. Maybe if like, no, motherfucker. Like, no, I get it. You're calling me a kid. It's fine. 
Uh, no, I agree. I, I this would be great to revisit once we're all in loving, committed relationships. Next Valentine's Day. Yeah, definitely by next Valentine's. <laughs> <laughs> oh y'all! Oh y'all! Uh, I'm not taking this. Y'all are optimistic. Not next Valentine's Day. Let me let me be delusional. Let me be delusional. <laughs> hmm. All right, now that I've been my uh, Debbie Downer secular self, what is y'all's answers to Leslie's question? I think I answer right. Leslie, it's your turn to answer. Um, about tapping in versus yeah. cultivating. I'll try to keep it concise because I've just been thinking a, a lot about all these things. Um, it's been a really beautiful experience to think through them as for the first time. Honestly, like in my life, I'm actually fully opening myself to like my full romantic identity and self and like having actual experiences that I can then you know, because I'm somebody who has lots of opinions and thoughts and philosophizes about things I've never experienced. That's just how I am. Like I, and I connect all these things. So I've already thought a lot about love and I've been in context that could be called, you know, but it really is only recently I actually like opened that door in myself and then I'm like going out and around and like, you know, actually having experiences. And so I think that um, to me, and, I, and then the exciting thing is also like, for sure, I feel like we could revisit this once a year and it would be a different conversation because I really think as with all human phenomenons, um, like love, like it's a constantly evolving thing. Like you'll constantly evolve throughout your life. I think, you know, as long as you're fully engaging with it, um, it will naturally evolve, like your understanding of it and how you move in that space. Um, but so far at this age, I have experienced the feeling of loving someone in this way twice I would say and both times it was like shocking because it it was like tapping into something that was pre-existing and already um, a current of energy um, for me the the picture that it is is like a river and it's not like a place you can decide to find on a map and then go try to find it and it's not a place you can create it's like somehow when you know, and to me, it's not logical. It's like, but when you hit that, it's like you're f suddenly in the river with that person, and it's it's truly like not something you made or or found. It's like you found. It's like you find yourself there, and it's pushing you along. And yeah, so that's the type of thing. Like, I'm also aware though that there are phenomenon like that. Um, that it might just be that. Like, I don't think it's responsible to say, and I think that means that it's necessarily like what people would call spiritual, even though that rings true to me. But like, um, I was actually just having a conversation yesterday with a friend where he was explaining like, oh, he had learned what actually happens with deja vu, which to me is one of those experiences I would kind of put in the camp of like, oh, well, maybe like you're sort of, you know, tapping into that other. And we talked about deja vu recently, I think. Um, and he was explaining that what happens with deja vu is it's basically like your neurons messing up to where when you have experiences, normally you write and, oh God, now I'm going to mess it up. It's like you write the experience and then you recall it. You can recall it later. Like that's the process of memory building. And when you experience deja vu, your neurons have like a one in a whatever X 
amount of chance of they accidentally write it and then recall it at the same time. So the reason it feels like you've experienced it before is because it, it wrote it and simultaneously was like, oh, we're recalling this. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying just because I feel like, okay, I've experienced this, like that necessarily implies like another dimension that, but I'm also open to almost both. I don't know. Um, which leads me to, I guess, my definition of love, which is leaves a lot of room within the definition but and it will probably evolve but um quantum physics has been the area that to me feels like the most useful even in the tiniest liver i know in in the simple fact useful in thinking about love where you know quantum physics points to the fact that for knowledge building and learning and moving through life we are forced to put things into broader containers that are not actually at the the closest deepest level true but we have to have broader containers so like i've brought up wave particle duality before like it's kind of been on my mind for a long time but you know you have to have those containers to build knowledge and learn and even do experiments in regular physics but in quantum physics you see that a wave actually can function like a particle and a particle can act like a wave really breaking down a lot of the basis of what you need to build knowledge in regular physics. And to me, that's the closest thing I could talk about with a working definition of love, where it's like, it strips back some of the silliness of these broad stroke containers we build for making it through life. And it sort of, it puts things to me more on like a pure, maybe energy, like where it's just like existence um it, it's just I don't know now I'm devolving like but it, it strips back some of that silly silliness that we do in life of trying to trying to make things manageable which essentially I think it's like we try to simplify things we try to narrativize things that don't necessarily need a narrative we try to categorize things that don't necessarily need category we try to put words on things where we're forcing a language of the heart into words when that's not actually a proper um medium to translate it into so that would be uh so I know that's like not even like you can't really stick that definition on anything but that's almost the point to me is like um it it's inherently it's it's it I guess the definition has a lot to do with freedom and exploration and opening and wider and more and infinite like that would definitely would I guess be the defining thing is like it's to me it's infinite like um, if your love feels like it's about control or power or limiting, or like you have to like make yourself smaller or, you know, like, I don't think obviously love requires compromise, which gets into the structure piece of things, but just talking about the phenomenon itself, like without that piece of the understanding of the infinite that I, again, think you can't really build. It just like happens between two people. Um, and then you can, you can carry that responsibly right forward and nurture it and make sure it's sustainable but I don't know maybe I'm wrong I don't know that you could no matter how hard you try just like build that space for infinity if it wasn't naturally there you know between you and somebody so Vince she said you're wrong in so many words did I I didn't feel like what I said (laughs) Evan always wants someone to argue well, no, I saw that the, 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 what I just said out from Leslie's answer was 
it's this thing that like it it has it has to be this outside entity that you have to access right and you can't you can't that outside entity experience part of it you can't cultivate like it you have you have to go to that well to draw that water now if you want to do the cultivating water you can go cultivate your own well and create your own body of water but that outside entity thing she's talking about she's saying you can't manufacture that the way we like artificially manufacture shit as human beings and yeah, so you know, like that they talk about that famous or it might not be famous. I've heard of it at different points where it's like somebody did some experiment where it's like if you look somebody in the eyes for a certain amount of time and ask a certain series of questions like you'll fall in love. Like you've heard of that, right? I think that what that's talking about is the the most you can do with intention and cultivation um, and you know, I wouldn't necessarily believe in this. I would be like, okay, I understand some people experience that. But before I experienced it, I wouldn't necessarily have been like, yeah, but there's this whole other thing that cannot be manufactured. And yeah, you know. Um, no, it's definitely, I mean, she disagrees. I, I don't know if it's a disagree issue as much it's as we have a, a different it's a, a framework. It's a, it's a dis <laughs> um, but sure. No, I, I think it's interesting. I guess to reconcile those two i mean in a way i agree that to me i'm conceptualizing that river as um the narrative of human existence so and, and that like that would be how i if that's not necessarily what you're saying that's how i it is the hear it in your structure yeah um also just real quick don't like speaking about things i'm not good at but i did uh go back and reference a bit of the book behave by robert sapolsky and prepping for this to understand like the behavior of love even though it's not really about love specifically but there is um so my when i hear the study of like staring into someone's eyes you fall in love but there is like a, a biological underpinning of staring into the eyes for the sake of paired bonding it happens between humans and like dogs as well between two humans um and there's like certain hormones i want to say it's called oxytocin and yeah, like the more you the more you stare into their eyes, like the more that's produced. And that has a lot to do with uh, like building bonds and affinity for the other person. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Poet, what's on your mind? Who? Wax poetic to me. About what? About cultivate just, or access? Or whatever you is on your mind after hearing Leslie and I's frameworks. Or if Leslie looks like she has a specific question. I do have a specific question. So you can either answer this or just pull. Yeah, just react to what me and Vincent said. But my other question floating around in that whole conversation of like the phenomenon is like, how does it impact the people who experience it? And then how does it impact the people around those people? Which I don't think necessarily gets talked about as much. Like, well, maybe it does. The, how it impacts the person who experiences it, for sure. But how it impacts the people around those people is interesting to me. Like, what is your theory of, like, a good, pure love? Like, how does that interact with all the other people in that person's life? Because if it's such a powerful thing, is it only impacting the two people who fall in love? Or would it not impact their respective communities as well? If so, What the how? fuck is pure love? But never mind. I won't. Never mind. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I mean, go a healthy, uh, uh, a healthy love, like not like a reaction to rejection, like you were meant, like just a like a a love that has a healthy container that both people are sustaining and built for it, and it's flowing well. 
you know, I just want to throw something fun out there before I, it's, it, okay. it, it's a reaction. And you don't have to answer that question if you don't want to. No, I'm, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to answer my, I, I want to get this thought out before I forget it, before I get, jump into the answer. And I don't want to forget either the thought or the answer. Um, I just want to rattle some Christians who, who disagree with me. There's a part in the uh -oh. Bible, there's a part in the Bible where one of David's sons rapes state one of David's daughters. Um, I think it was Absalom and I forget the daughter's name. Um, but it was saying Absalom was torturing himself over this, over David's daughter because he loved her, yada, yada. He was so, he just had to have her, but he didn't know a way to get to her. So then one of the other brothers, one of the servants helped trick the girl into do, into the chamber. So he raped her. Um, and then it said, after he raped her, it said he kicked her out of the room. And the Bible says, and he, and the, the hate with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he loved her. Dear Christian, dear Christians. If you don't agree with what I'm saying about love and the multifaceted way in which I position it, there is issue with you and your Bible. I'll leave that for you guys to figure out. So I don't um, know about that though, because did he love her if he fucking raped her? Leslie, this is what I'm saying. If the if the Holy Spirit, which is what I believe, inspired the author to write that statement, it didn't say the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the obsession with which he obsessed over her. You know, the Hebrews are the Greeks and the Hebrews. I, I, it's, it's funny how how much like like Vince was saying, I, one, one thing I want to admit is I think it's so funny how much I try to personally pontificate about like love and emotion and passion and being a poet. And there's literally thousands of years of maybe if not hundreds, if not thousands, but at least hundreds of years of like Greek philosophers who like didn't have the Internet, who like had the stars and, and their forms of math and science who they wrestled so deeply over these issues. And Leslie was saying, like, we have this issue today as Americans and as, as the Gen whatever, Gen Z, Gen XY, Gen Y, where because we know we have such immediate access, it limits the amount we actually go and memorize or read or research because, you know, I can just get it. I don't need to fucking store it or actually mull over it. And, and it creates a wide it, it might it creates this this delusional effect on human beings where because we can have a broad spectrum of access to information we think ourselves smart when some of these greek philosophers and hebrew like scholars fuck the bot hebrew scholars they it, it was a it was a depth of like they wrestled with these some of these people wrestled with with issues for 20 years like i know people now scientists today who like i'll, I'll forget 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 a scientist although i do know scientists jim collins who wrote a book called good to great and great by choice he took 20 years to write one of those books. I don't know. I've only been alive for 30 years. I don't know anyone else in my life who picked one topic and said, I'm going to focus on this for 20 years. So I just think it's funny how much like I try to pontificate about shit, which is why I try to just kind of, as I'm still figuring things out and as I'm getting older, I try to defer to what wiser men, older men, dead men, dead men and women, historians, history, cultures, societies, other like parts of the world. I try to defer to what other people thought and said and how that transcended across generations and, 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 and lineages. And like, I try to think of like, man, this motherfucker was saying that 500 years ago and we still read that in books. And then people, some, someone 200 years later wrestled with the same idea. And then by the end of their lifetime, they were like, I can't get past the truth of this part of their statement, whether it be Socrates or Plato or Aristotle, like, there's these deep, deep, or even Einstein, he'll say shit back in the time when he didn't have access to technology to prove it about equations. And scientists today go, what the fuck? 
who the fuck was telling this motherfucker like the pyramids? How do they build these pyramids in Egypt? How did Einstein know these equations? How do these Greek philosophers have aliens. such aliens? Elon Musk said aliens don't exist. Um, so like I'm like, how the fuck? So like what I'm trying to say is so I, I was saying Leslie was disagreeing with Vince because I felt like Vince was. I feel like Vince said in his definition of it, he wasn't allowing for the separation of the cultivation and the tapping into. He was saying it has to be kind of, it sounded like from Vince's answer, what I just did from it was you have to have, they have to coincide. Vince, am I wrong? Mm. Like Vince, if I separate the cultivating, if I separate the time, the longevity across time, do you then invalidate it as love? Um, no, it's no, I'm not trying to, I feel like I'm giving you a bad answer. It's hard because to me, it's, love is like the surfacing of these different complex constructs so sure like if there is no bond at all but you're just attracted then yeah i wouldn't call that love or if there is a bond but you're not attracted i wouldn't call that love so in a way they're together but i think wait, it's wait like, if, there's, there's a, if there's a bond and you're not attracted you wouldn't call it love uh well with the, the way that i romantic <laughs> Row, row, row your boat. Yo, uh, Leslie, the, the way that I was today. saying attracted. Leslie. She's always wild. Romantic. No, attracted. <laughs> well, no, I guess the way I'm thinking about it is that attraction, not just sexual attraction in the case of romantic love, but like a platonic attraction, meaning like I'm attracted to like your personality or like your, your thought or like your energy that some kind of like you can't you can build a bond, maybe like a work bond with someone that you fucking hate. Wouldn't call that love in any sense, if that makes sense. Mm. But I think I think it's I'm using a very fluid definition, so I'm not trying to make it hard to pin down. But does that answer your question? No, but but we'll move on. Um, you be dancing, you be dancing, so I can't like fuck with your shit. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, but I mean, but Leslie's definition is different than mine. It, it, it's, but I feel like. It's well, no, interesting I like, to see the parallels. I, what I, I mean, what I felt like happened, and of course, you just added more to it. So I, I would, it would literally take me a day and a half to just mull over what you said to figure out how I would properly, appropriately, appropriately wait, wait, approach wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. I'm just gonna real quick interrupt you and say, then, then please say what you're saying because I want to hear. Are you gonna forget if I interrupt you? Hold it. Okay. You're like holding. Kevin's like holding. <laughs> I just want to insert one quick thing about what you're saying which is that and because it, it ties to both vincent's thing about okay the collective human story over so many generations and then you're talking about wow these people who are actually all men who you know have said these deep things and written these things yes. and i just think it's of note that our collective story that we tend to have is dominated by men thinking about life and love and everything else and having all the pages in all the books and all the annals in all the libraries because for so long most overall in the volume of collective saved words and philosophizing that we have it's men who had the chance to be recorded and it's really a tiny Amen. little sliver of time that women have entered the chat and how sad is it that literally an entire most generally you could say roughly half of human population throughout human civilization like we don't really have that much content on what they were philosophizing about and love and there's a little bit but if you look at the volume it's to me that's just crazy that it isn't more you know we're, we're coming in and we're bouncing off of this backdrop of this collective story vincent is mentioning and all this 
beautiful stuff you know not that it's not beautiful but like it is missing half of the perspective of humanity for most of it you know like yeah unfortunately when I can't we talk about, a single woman philosopher before when we talk the about 17th the century gaze, the male gaze g-a-z-e this is some of what it's saying which is that if you don't recognize that what is treated as neutral and standard in any topic of anything intellectual pursuit love philosophy if you don't recognize the standard we're coming into is men's thought is treated as the neutral then you're you're just kind of not looking at like the facts of of history and, and the the knowledge base that we're we've come now into this position from so take it a step further have have either of you ever heard of any or read any or seen any kurdish literature there you go that too. So the point that i'm trying to prove is fuck the half leslie we're talking about 80 percent because when you talk about what i just said all these different philosophers you're limiting it to the euro anglo dynamic so it's not just, I agree, but it's not just I white agree, but wealthy yeah like we don't know about and like so it's it's, it's limits it greater than 50 percent, right it's not just it's not just a men and women thing it's a men within the euro anglo experience like there's yeah, anyway. Absolutely. But there's within other cultures for those cultures, there are there's at least some artifacts in general, right? Like there are stories, there are drawings. And within that, it's the Kurdish people. Still, I, I don't know about Kurdish people specifically, but in general, like what's highlighted in academia and the general broader consciousness, which is seeming to be dominated by like Western thought, like what you're saying is true but then if you were to go to different countries and cultures like you could find some content in most cases i think right it's just that it's and, not and, in any culture that in any culture that has a written language yes you're you're so there's like oral cultures right you have no drawing no written it's all or like it's past which is why griot was a thing in west africa there's a term called a griot for someone who holds all the stories of the tribe and there's a saying that dave Chappelle talks about when the griot dies in west africa they say it's like a library burned down because they lost all of this wealth within so like in any culture society or whatever that like somehow notated those experiences yes but like you're again limiting it to just people who actually translate or actually transcribe their experiences whether it through be pictorially or words so like yeah i'm just i'm just taking the, the but in the vein you were talking about you were talking about that vein and that's the vein i was also talking about but yes you're right it isn't just limited to gender yeah I, you were just no, saying 50 yeah. i was saying greater than 50. yeah yeah um anyway, so what were you gonna say <laughs> I did lose it. <laughs> I was saying, like, I, I think myself so smart to like pontificate about these ideas, and I'm all I, I three decades on this planet. I don't care if you're a young if you're a young Earth Christian or or evolutionist. In relation to each three decades on this planet is 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 laughable to try to pontificate about something that's arguably been the felt experience of human beings since the first sign of life of a human life on this plague like it's just it's laughable um but to try to give my like there's this beautiful jay-z and beyonce song where at the beginning they have this african poet who they have her in like this interview and this guy goes can you tell me about can you tell us about love and she goes yeah like there's like love for a child there's love between love like between two romantic lovers love for um for food or for art or for culture and then she goes and there's like the love for humanity like I think in our, I think, I think 
Easterners would laugh at this conversation because I think the way in which we're trying, like, I think even the way we understand and talk about love from the Western construct, it, I don't think we even have the framework. So like in, in Christianity and theology, there's the triune God. And it's so foreign to the Western mind, even to I, I probably Eastern minds as well, but it's so foreign to, because we say one God, one in nature, three in personhood, but it's one God. We're not um, polytheists. We believe it, we worship. And that, that theological doctrine has been attacked for, for so many centuries about like, no, you worship three people. The father was the one part of Christianity that I actually always was like, yeah, that's the, like the Holy Spirit was always my favorite part. Which is funny because like, that actually makes sense. Like the way, you, no, yeah, yeah the, the way your mind, like I, I can see how like you, yeah, no, it's crazy. Um, so I look at things like that, which are so ingrasp, like so, um, not ingrasp, ingraspable is a, such a non-word that are so outside the grasp of not only a human mind, but particularly a Western human mind is how I view love. See, in theology, they have this, at the, at the, when I first took theology, the first statement was, theology isn't the study of God. Because in order to study something, you have to be able to subject it to yourself. Theology is the study of how God relates to man. Because we can't subject God to ourselves. So theology is a study of the Bible. It's entirely a study of how over the years God is the accountings of how we come to believe God has related to man in this specific experience of the Bible. We're not trying to dis, I mean, whatever, discount the Quran to whatever, but it's just within the Christian experience, within the, within the Jewish experience, it's a study of how. And so I, I side on Leslie's side of things where there's this river, there's this tangible energy in order to, for you to like try, to, in order for me to try to like make a definitive statement about love would be like, would, 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 would propose the idea that I could subject the emotion and the experience of love to my control. And what yeah. I've known, what I've known throughout, whether, <laughs> what I've come, what I've come to realize, whether it's my relationship with my mother, which is the closest, but most volatile and one of probably the most, my, my relationship with my mother, if, if Jojo has seen me do it, Vince has kind of seen me do it a little bit. If anyone sees how I talk to my mother, about my mother, at my most enraged moments, they would see my toxicity at, at its full blast. Honestly, I, I can outdo anyone in toxicity when it comes to my mother, but that is the way deep, to own it. <laughs> that is the that is the deep, weird flex. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to amp, I'm trying to amplify the darkness, right? I'm trying to let you know how dark it really gets. In contrast to, I genuinely believe there's a um, there's a there's a there's a there's a scientist who says if you watch a young child like a two three year old with their mother in a novel environment, and they go explore, the moment they either get exhausted or get scared, they immediately run back to their mother. Because their mother is literally a, a, a presence that can re release a certain kind of comfort hormone and positive emotion hormone in their minds. So you'll see children, they're, the reason so they're see, so... It's an attraction theory, right? I, I, I don't know what the actual phraseology for it is. But I, when I said a we lot of... to find that after Kevin's done, Vincent. When I, when I remember we said a long time ago about nostalgia, and I think it's like this experience of human emotion, and I think a lot of life is trying to get us close back to the time when we were in the womb, and I honestly spent a lot of my life recently wishing I could crawl back into my mother's womb. Um, I, I think 
love is kind of, to me, love is kind of like that. Like you find someone who psychologically can almost reproduce this experience of the closest thing you can get to of the experience of comfort and safety and nurture you felt in the womb under your mother's tutelage. And if you can find someone who can as closely replicate that as possible, then you, you get close to them, but you also need your time and distance and space, right? So you'll see children, they want, maybe they want to go explore and, and go fucking like be free and independent. But they, even if a child like me moving away from the military, there's this draw I have back to my mother. Um, all that to say, that's like, I really believe in love as this four dimensional, five dimensional entity that we only get to. It's like, it's like you hilarious human being. You live in a 3D world, in a material existence. Love exists in your realm and outside. Like people, if you watch people talk about psychedelics, DMT, mushrooms, um, uh, LSD, they'll kind of talk about this idea of like, there's another dimension to shit. And scientists have been trying to find this fourth dimension, this fifth dimension, black hole. But it's like, I look at love in that realm of things of like, love is this thing that you can experience and you can put you you can put a hand on it, but it's so vast and so complex, but so accessible that you can talk like you can talk about it in a way that that speaks to your experience of it. But it stands so vastly outside the realm of human understanding that I think it's it's to me. I'm not I'm not trying to like I'm not trying to bash Vince, but to me it's like. It's almost disrespectful if me, if I were to relate to love in a way of respectful. It's like blasphemous. It's blasphemous to speak in love in, in a way of like, of like you fucking twenty nine year old Kevin Ortiz. You re- so you've got it figured out. Thousands of years, people have have went through this array of. I've if love was a person, like I'm doing a poem real quick. If love was a person, love was oh. like, love is like I've taken, I've brought down kingdoms because of me i've ruined societies i've made people go to war i've 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 had money go left and right i've like i've rate i've done so many things in history and society to think in your 29 years of existence on this planet and your limited finite material you could ever put a full grasp on what i am and place me under a microscope as if i was something to own like a pet how how hilarious to think that your limited mind of which your own scientists say you can only access 11, 12% of could actually wrap itself around me when I am so far outside of you that you won't ever, that generations from now, two, 3,000, 100,000 years from now, they'll still be struggling with the same question you're talking about on this podcast in 2021 to think you understand me. No, I let you swim the river. And then when I no longer want you there, or when you no longer preach, when you no longer honor the river, the way it should be honored, you can be removed just as quickly as you were dipped into it. I let you experience this. I am more vast than you are. Pay hum, bow to your knees at the altar of what I am and show a reverence for what I allow you to experience in your limited time on earth that I, that I've preceded and that I will continue to be after you're gone. Like, that's how I see love. Vincent, what do you have to say for yourself? Apparently I have to argue. That's the energy that I'm being given today. But I, I, again, I was excited to hear Kevin because I knew it would be, that's way more of exciting understanding than mine. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I, I love that. Um, 
love your very Freudian of you. Um, the like looking for it is attachment theory, not attraction theory. Uh-huh. Where um, the according this is a quick Google search. Like the important tenet is that young children need to develop a relationship with at least one primary caregiver for normal social and emotional development. Um, I say Freudian in this like sense of like you searching for the mom figure and like a lover is very Freudian. Um, I mean, not how I would explain it, but I still love that. And I do think there's a lot of parallels with my very secular framework. Like oh. I think the reverence piece, something I need to think about, cause I don't think I would have thought of reverence with love, but I could imagine myself thinking it that way when I was still Christian. So that's something interesting that you brought up. Um, but no, I, I fucks with all that. Well, think about think about this for a second, right? Like Vince is basically like, I'm not arguing. We agree. <laughs> like Vince, do you agree with Leslie about this? Like respect for like the earth and the oceans and the and the and the sea life and animals and all that all the all that things she talks about having like a respect and a coexisting with and a, like a like. Do you agree with that? Um. Yes. If, so, so then, yeah. what's like was that today? <laughs> have we talked about that? No, no, no. no. She, I, she over the course of time, Leslie has opened my mind about this idea of as humans, we think ourselves more, and it's really like, 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 reverberated through my mind of like I've she, she's the first person to ever frame it in that way for me to actually like consider it and think about it, and so I've just and I go, huh? I think, and so if I see that you can relate on that level, then I'll go, huh? Okay, so let's let's ask this question. If you agree with that. Which I think by, by virtue of lifestyle, like you, the, having the diet you choose tells me that you, to a certain extent, have this certain level of belief in that, right? For me, I go, man, like, and of course, I'm just more like, I'm just like more, I guess, hip, which is funny because you're the hippie, you're the max hippie. I'm more hippie about these like intangible, un- actually, Leslie is like... Leslie is like the mother goddess earth of hippie. She births hippies out of her like. Leslie is mother. She's mother Gaia on this. Mother Gaia. And Leslie's mother Gaia. She like hippies came from hippies all proceeded from. So anyway, um, I look at it and I go, man, like you have like. You have such a respect for animal life and not love like. But maybe it's because you don't see like I I don't. I feel like I do have a respect for it. So when Um, I say reverence, it's like there's this you see wildlife and you go, man, these creatures are beautiful and they should be like, they should, they deserve a safe habitat and a a habitat of dignity and like X, Y, Z and to not be like treated in this way. And then you look at, again, like like speech, love is this thing that doesn't, it doesn't, you can't pay for it, but it does, it cost, it doesn't cost you. It doesn't cost you any money. You can't buy it, but it doesn't cost you money. Words, you can't buy them. You can't buy someone's words from them, but it doesn't cost you any money to just keep talking, talking. So love is this thing, I think because it's intangible, because of one of the things we just take for granted, because it's not reserved for the elite, for the rich, for a certain ethnicity. It's not um, like this elitist, con- it's, it's, it's a democratic experience where anyone can access this experience and this emotion. And I think because it's so common, we have a tendency to treat things that are both intangible and common with commonplace. And you, when you have commonplace for something, you don't have this like deep sense of like honor and worship and reverence for it. And that's why I look and I go, man, like, and maybe it's because you just never looked at it in that way. But I, 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 I got, I, I beckoned back, like, how could you not have this reverence? How could you not have this on? How could you not have this brokenness? Of per- like when I like man, me and Leslie talked recently about something. And when I think of what I'm, of what we're talking about now in context of that, I fall like my soul falls on the floor and weeps and goes like love. Of course, in my Christian mindset, how beautiful you are, how vast you are, how glorious, how majestic, like you, I don't, when I see the skies, I don't glory at the sky. Like this, 
I, we say, oh, I love this. I love that color. I love this. You like you're the filter by which people talk about what they have. When in Dead Poet Society, when he goes law, engineering, science, math, these are all noble pursuits to be sure. But these are not why we stay alive. Love, romance. But these are why we stay alive as human beings. So like love is this thing where it's like it's so vast and democratic in its experience that anyone can access it. That like you would treat like a purse, like a, a 10, 20. If like some woman walked up on you or you walked in someone's house and they had a, a, a two million dollar statue like a, or like a glass face, you would be so like, let's not bump anything. We don't want to break it. You don't want to touch it. You can't take pictures of the Mona Lisa because it would fuck the paint up. And you have because it's a limited resource that you can fuck up and do away with if you don't treat it the right way. It, that doesn't translate over to things that we can that are so expendable. But we have this this relation to things like speech and love and emotion that is so weird to me as a poet because I go, fuck the Mona Lisa. Love. Have you ever been in love? The Mona Lisa will make sense if you've been in love. Like food from India will make sense if you've been in love. Like Leslie's expression about like sea life and creatures and it will make sense if if you've been in love. Your world, you will, you will, like your soul will weep. Your mind will like turn in on itself. You'll lie awake at night till 4 a.m. You'll writhe in your bed. Your gut will, 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 will like pulsate and constrict in ways it's never done before. Your heart, you will feel a tangible burning in your chest. Your person will melt. Like fuck a psychedelic or a we, you will have this mind shifting. If you truly experience love, it, so that's why I go, how could you not have such a reverence and an honor and an awe and a fall, a, your, a, a falling of your soul on the floors of your person and a weeping of how beautiful how you, dare you. How fast you are? Allow me to I summarize. Think, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I guess where I view this is that I guess I do have a reverence, but it's not for the container, which it sounds like you have a reverence for that container because to you that container is tied into something that's like extra dimensional supernatural for me wait kevin i'll take the shot with you hang on go ahead vince Sorry. Thank oh, you. I'm, oh i got the drink ready I, I do have a reference i do think like maybe i wasn't being emotional when i said it but i do think there's like this profound beauty in the human existence that we are tied into and the container of love speaks to so many of those things that i do think are very I mean, people fight wars over these impulses. Like, I, I'm not downplaying that, I guess. But I don't have, like, when I think reverence, in the, especially from my upbringing, there's, like, this worshiping of that container that I probably differ in that sense. Like, to me, the container is fluid, and it just speaks to something more complex underpinning it. But, I, I mean, that, com that complexity is intriguing. It's, like, awe-inspiring, um, and, and it's moving, but I, I guess that's why I wouldn't use the word reference because I am not worship. There's like that worshiping element that that just isn't how I think of things in general. Allow me to be yeah. allow me to be elitist for a second. Allow us to take this shot first. Ready? Bottomless. <laughs> allow me. And, and also, I have a response in the ready after Kevin. I want to say sorry. Leslie's not no, gonna no, like no, Leslie's no, not gonna I, like what I'm about to say, but let me be elitist for a second. Well, I already hate it. <laughs> my Vince, my proposition to you, and I don't I don't know if this is actually how you experience it, so I can't say this for sure, but it's my assumption, which if you assume you make an ass out of you and me. That's fine. My, my assumption, and I told you is that is that the reason 
I feel as a poet, and I, I, this is just me broad generalizing. Generalizing. So many people. Feel- oh, God. <laughs> Here we go. Let's see wild. And sorry, go ahead. The, the reason so many people, a lot of people feel the way you feel about the container. Do they? A yeah, lot I of people. A lot of people. Yeah, they feel a resistance to loving love itself, right? Like that's basically what you're saying the idea of loving love more than it's like you're just in love with the idea of being in love. You worship the idea of love. And I think a reason a lot of people feel that way. There's someone who said you have, there's, there's someone I, I, I had a quote and they said, it's important to have a relationship with beauty. So whatever you consider beautiful, the things you find beautiful about clothing, about art in your house, about like how you organize that you try to position to whatever your sense, whatever your sensation of beauty is, try to have a relationship, a consistent committed relationship to beauty in your life. Cause you want to keep experiencing that sensation. I think because love is such a democratic experience and not everyone is going to convey their experience of it or their attempt at dramatizing it, it's not always going to come across as either like it's, it's their sensation of beauty dramatized isn't always going to trigger my sensation of beauty to take it a step Ooh. further. Who lives, who dies, who tells <sighs> to take it a step further. Ooh. Some people like me see that and go like, man, you, you biffed so hard on this attempt. Like not only did it not, not only did it not trigger my sensation, I feel like you, I feel like you did it an injustice by not giving it enough justice and enough. And it can, because seventh graders will tell you I'm in love. Like that was me. A boy will say, I love my Jordans. A girl will say, I love that TV show. A parent, a mother will say, I love that. Whatever, like fill in the uh, artist will say, I love this cup. Because it's used so, which is why I think it's so vast. Because it's used so democratically, it can almost create for you as you, Valentine's Day. There's a, there's, we can go on Twitter right now. There's jokes flying. I haven't been on Twitter yet today. I don't want to cry, but I'm sure there are. Jokes are flying because Love is treated so haphazardly. It's treated not this second shot. Love is love is handled so haphazardly in our context that especially if you and not to say like not downplaying your experience, especially if you haven't felt the sensation of beauty in the context of romantic love. I call it the Justin Bieber effect. That if you didn't like Justin Bieber when he first came out and you saw millions of people gawking and fanning over Justin Bieber. There's something about the human mind, this weird hater thing that people do where if they don't like it and they don't get it, then they discount it for some reason. They don't because they see such a surge of appreciation and admiration and infatuation about something that if they don't have that felt experience, then they they over-index on the side of like, no, like X, Y, Z and Justin, fuck like whatever. And I look at it and I go, I don't hate love, by the way, to be clear. And I and I look at it and I go, yeah, I, I if that's your only experience of that container is a secondhand viewing of the dramatization of it, I can understand how you arrive to that point. But just trust me when I say, I I wish for you, I I I pray for you, I beg for you, I dare you to to one day pray that the universe, the gods, that the God, that 
whoever, that whatever, would bathe you in that water source. And once you've swam in those rivers, once you've been bapt, once you've drowned and died in that body of water, come back and talk to me because you'll, you'll, like, you'll go, man, all these cheesy things like on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when Will Smith asked Uncle Phil about love. And he said, I knew I was in love when the song My Girl from Motown made sense. I got sunshine on a raining day. Um, I got something in the month. I got, I got, I got the month of May. Um, like, so, like cheesy, corny songs made sense to me. Rom-coms made sense to me. Poetry made sense to me. Like colors were like this people that what people describe as in, in their psychedelic experiences. Colors were more vibrant. Life was more vibrant. Light was more vibrant. Food was more vibrant. I felt alive. Like go, go see if you can avail yourself to being baptized and drowned in those waters and then come back to me and you'll go even in light of how 7 billion 12 year olds in middle school trivialize the experience of love. And it makes us kind of have this lack of like positioning for it or for the container. Once you've been in it, you go, oh, you go, yeah, no, 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 no. Like, like it does, love doesn't discriminate. So yet like, even though these 12 year olds make it seem like this cheap, trivial bubblegum rapper experience. Now that I've, I've tasted and seen, like there's this I don't know if it was Loki and 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 Thor or in and Marvel, but um, it, there was this this person awing at this godlike figure, and it said, "The stories of your greatness were told to me, and now that I'm in your presence, they all pale in comparison to what you act like. They all pale. I am in awe of your majesty. Like now that I'm here and I've experienced it, and I'm not hearing it secondhand." I am broken and I am in awe. So like, I think because of how much the container has been positioned and attempted at dramatization that we have this like kind of lackluster, like the def deference of like this, like this, like uh, of it. But once you've like been drowned in it, I promise you come back and you go like, it's one of the most shaking, moving experiences of your life. And you're, you're never the same. It's, it's like, it's like, pulling the curtain back at the Wizard of Oz. You're never, the, once you see behind the curtain, you go, oh my God. And life, you can never see life in the same lens once you've had that experience. But Vince said, but Vince said, I don't love that girl. Uh, oh, I know, Les, I mean, I don't want to steal the show from, from Leslie. No, no I, I love that. That's beautiful. And I, to be clear, I don't hate the container. I don't have like a, I don't even, I'm not even ambivalent toward the container. I appreciate the container, but I think for me, the Zell is more at like the underpinnings of what that container is attempting as I see it to simplify and to, to turn into something that's neat, um, which means the container often gets it wrong. But even with that said, like, I don't hate the container, but no, keep praying that all that you said does come to me yes i will manifest that gladly whatever whoever whoever's listening whatever you believe of love pray that i experience it like kevin just did like i'll take all the the good energy and thoughts and prayers so keep them coming well i do have some thoughts collected from what both of you have been saying that i jotted down so i won't forget them but i know also we're going over time but i really would love to hear we love a two-hour season opener it is uh, what are the practical elements so you from the get-go kind of tied like the felt phenomenon with then it implies some need for decisions and structure um what are those elements and decisions that you feel like in your understanding love are always required 
Um, and then are there any that you feel like love never requires from just the, pra- like as a human in a body, the types of, you know, things that are important in actually making the container sustainable and, and move forward and not just be a feeling that is experienced? Um, I think this speaks to the underlying part of the human experience about bonding. So being that it's a process of bonding that does necessitate um, just certain decisions, I guess, or like practical things. Um, And I, again, I think this is something that came up in the live that we had that I very, are you recording this? Oh, (laughs) no, for the the IG live stories. Um, But I think I like explained it very undigestedly. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of practical considerations about any type of bond, whether it's romantic love. Real quick throwback, I did want to just rebuff what both of you said. The fact that we're even saying romance itself is a uh, artifact of the very white, narrow history that we are assuming is indicative of every culture, because romance in itself is, uh, sorry, um, I hate all you're, Roman you're, people. You're, no. you're, you're wrong. <laughs> You're That's wrong. my anti-Roman sin- uh, sentiment. Romance came um, from Africa. You're wrong. I'm not doing this, but because uh, <laughs> I, I did look it up I, in the 1600s, did romance evolve into how we're kind of using it today? Before that, it was more used in contrast with Latin, like romance languages. Um, so just throw back to what you both already said, but to rebuff that. Um, but because of it's a, a situation of a bond. I mean, I think there's emotional considerations that you have to make. Are you emotionally available? Um, Are you willing to emotionally intertwine yourself with that partner and a romantic sense or a platonic sense? And then I think there's obviously financial and logistical considerations. Um, It's hard to love someone if you don't want to be around them ever or live near them or don't want to split finances, like all all those things. So I do think there's those kind of decisions to make. but then there's also like the attraction piece. I feel like that's much more impulse, hormone, subconscious driven than conscious decisions. So, yeah. Where would you go next? Because quant- quantifiably, that's still a little bit short. And I just want to push us a little more in season two of Vincent, us getting to wow. access more of you. Now, where would you go next if you just wanted to speak a little more into any of what we've talked about? What has uh, stirred you? you know, you things can... that would be a longer conversation than the next five minutes. Okay. I can tell you that. I do. Well, this it would be turned into a question. Um, but it's inspired by kind of hearing how you both talk kind of a bit of what Kevin was saying. Do, do you all think and I'll answer it first. You don't think I'm doing a cop-out, just asking a question. But do you all think that um, what are the negative consequences of having a sort of worship, like reverence for the container of love? Because that is a concern that I have. And I've noticed the ways in which it possibly poisons the way that we understand love, also the ways that we seek love, the way that we show love. To be very clear, that doesn't mean I hate the container. I still have a lot of affection for the container. 
but I was definitely, um, and this isn't, I'm not trying to at the Christian specifically, but this is informed by my personal lived experience. There's this Vincent, idea. Like, I'm not trying to talk down to you, Vincent. Vincent's like, I'm not trying to at the Christians. Y'all just speak to each other. Okay? I, we, I, I always, we always do this every episode. I just want to be clear. Um, but I was thinking about the ways in which I found a lot of comfort um, with love romantically, but just like seeking love around the people from around me with leaning into a very like evangelical Christian form of love, which brings up the way that G- that Christ loved the church. And in that conception, there is that sense of reverence and worship um, and like ultimate sacrifice. And I think there are good things about that in, that, in the container of love. I think sacrifice is a, a very positive piece, but I, I don't know how much I gel with, there's like the sense of submission with love, um, this sense of uh, just how it perverts the way that I like yearn for love and like what I'm expecting out of a a relationship of love. And I think it's been, for me personally, it's been very healthy and refreshing um, and has lifted a lot of weights off my shoulder to think through what love means to me now when I've exercised some of those expectations for what I would be looking for, for when I find the one um, and how I would interact with the one. So that is something that did come up hearing Kevin talk, just reminded of that piece that I was thinking on about what, what are the limits of a type of relationship with love where you're like, like worshiping it or even setting it up to be something so majestic and supernatural in of, in of itself. Um, and is, is there some potential uh, risk with that type of conception? Vince, the reason you say you have issues with submission is because you're conditioned by Western society in which individuality is Lord and Savior. That's entirely a product of your Western conditioned mindset. Entirely. Promise you. I guess I'm not in, thinking in, in, submission when I'm... Let me, ask you a question. let me ask you a question. Wait, wait, wait. Let Vincent get his little thought out. Sorry, not little. Sorry. Whoa, that's not... His- <laughs> <laughs> no, speak your mind, Leslie. I'm condescending Vince. Vince is adding the Christians. Vince has a little... <laughs> um, my... <laughs> I, I, I guess thought. get your little thought out. Get your get your like get your tiny little get I'm your just saying go ahead, Vince. Um uh, no, I was just gonna correct because my concerns with submission as it relates to love aren't on a spectrum of like individuality versus collectivism. So I'm not sure we're the, the, I don't know. If, That's if just the, a weird if the individual place to push it. If the individual sees himself or herself as Lord and Savior, as king of their life, as the as the end all be all for decisions to be made submission is an offensive word is a scandalous word is a disgusting word to any mind that considers their individuality as king as god as lord and savior it spits in the face of their ego and their pride and they cannot stomach nor digest the word submission let me ask you a question i think that's very much informed by your framing of submission though i i like lord and savior these things mean little so what did you mean? What did you mean when you said submission? Yeah. So my concern uh, with uh, submission is tied to the ways 
in which we would exalt love to this supernatural place so much so that we feel that love means you must submit to an extreme that I, I which it's, it's case by case, but sometimes I would say are a bit unhealthy places to submit or having like perverse understanding of, oh, I must submit in this relationship because that is how I show love. Submit not meaning that you fucking cook dinner for somebody or like you let them pick you realize that's for not, vacation. You, you realize that's not biblical, right? What You're you saying you have to cook dinner for somebody. That's not like that being interpreted as a way of submission is not biblical. Right. Well, so you're, that's, you're that's not what I'm talking. I'm saying that's not what I'm talking about when I say submission. So what do you what do you what are you saying? Give me an example of what you say when you think submission. Um. Uh, I think finance would probably be the most like provocative one in a lot of relationships, like financial decisions. You think the Bible someone- says you think the Bible says that in terms of submission and love that financially the wife is to submit to her husband in regards to finance? No, you think biblically I think, that's what the Bible is saying. No, I think that the ways that often Christian culture exalts love to a very specific place invoking language of the way that Christ loved the church leaves room for an unhealthy relationship with engaging with that love. And it leaves room for a perverse um, desire for that love. And you would do things that you wouldn't do otherwise. I'm not saying that the Bible specifically says submission is X, Y, Z. I mean that that relationship with love leaves room for uh, just an unhealthy approach to bonding with people. When you say financial, so this, talking about tithing and giving? No, I mean like financial decisions in a relationship. I'm less concerned with the specifics of what a Bible verse says and someone's understanding. I'm more concerned with the exhaustion of the container of love removed from the underpinnings that I have said, but more so tied to, again, this love as Christ loved the church type language. So your issue is not with the meta narrative and the, and the whole, the whole council of the scriptures. Your issue is the product in which Western Christianity has propagated their ideas and experience and expressions and definitions of love. Not with perhaps, the- perhaps, I guess my real issue is my initial question of what are the limits of that type of relationship? Where is the line of a man and a woman or of romantic partners of a conception of love of something in itself to worship. Ah. Okay, so, and and I could be wrong. I will say I agree with you when the thing that is worshiped is romance. I 1000% agree because I do think when I say, and clearly you heard from my pontificating 20 minutes ago, when I say worship, I genuinely do mean love which is a much vaster which romance can be a part and parcel of it can be an expression of how you show rev romance for somebody can be an expression of how you show reverence for love that's my interpretation but i think what you may be pointing to at least what i have an issue with as well what can be what can be very toxic about the human condition is we we have a worship of romance because once you do pedestal romance above love above a decision to commit to someone and their weaknesses, no matter what, when you put romance over that, then yeah, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to stand at the altar and hear the priest say, Hey, like, I'll love you unless you cheat. I'll love you unless you stop having emotions for me. I'll love you unless you grow cold. I'll love you unless nobody wants to stand in the wedding and hear that shit. 
So yeah, when you posit romance, when you posit romance, no one's going to go to that wedding. No one's going to stand before, no one's going to sit in the audience and go, oh, how sweet. He's saying he'll stay unless, he's saying he'll stay, but he'll say he'll stay. She says she'll stay if unconditional. So I do agree with you in the sense that when romance is positive, it's higher than love. I do agree with you that there's this unhealthy, toxic attachment of people to worship romance. People Valentine's. like tie their tie like their tie like their worth to it, especially yeah, romance. in the Christian circles that I came to. Um, I think it's not just romance, but like if you're our age without love, not married, like I think there's no, just no, like no. a lot of romance. real do what romance. Those people you were talking about had us, they had the church community, they had family, they had friends, they had love, whether it was the animal, they had love, they had the human right, a romance. I'm talking about, yeah, specifically a romantic romance. Not, they not a, worship a- romance. When you worship romance, you're in a fucked up place. Something is wrong. And I'm this is from the poet. Your shit is broken if you worship romance. Because you're worshiping something that's fleeting, that's meant to be enjoyed, like like dessert, like ice cream, like candy, like sugar. You are not to build your nutrition and your diet off of that. Ain't no romance from your mother at 40 years old. Your your parent fucking like cares for you in a way where I can look at my mother and make her cry and break her heart two years ago in a car drive in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And she is still the most loving person in my life. She will love her son I could go murder somebody and she will still love her son. Romance? Fuck a rope. She will love me to the wheels fall off. Okay, I'm I think. Gonna... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I'll just throw in one more piece uh, as we're talking about of my concerns too. And then it might just help provoke more. But also like uh, a worship of love. It's easy to view it in a way of detachment from um the fact that these things like the con the container is informed by time space like where we are so also when you're worshiping love it's it's easy to lose um side of that and this kind of speaks i think a bit to in like uh, the way that we prescribe a very specific version of romance and love um but if you worship it it's easy i think to tether yourself to one specific conception of it um regardless if that specific conception is best for you, which means you might miss out on a much more life-giving version of love, romantic or platonic, um, if you're so tethered to this specific prescription of what love is, and you're tethered to it and worshiping it and yearning for it. Um, And I feel like I've also seen a lot of, um, not just heartbreak, but a lot of frustration and pain from people that are in that culture where they are so tethered to a very explicitly prescribed specific version of love. Um, that's another concern. Okay. You somehow a lot set there. me up. No, you set me up perfectly, Vincent, for somehow I have a little collection of short thoughts that I'm so excited to see what you guys think. Cause it's bouncing off of, it's cool how now we're like in our second hour of talking about love. And like I said, I've been really thinking about it. Everything we're bringing up, it hits on these primary concepts that I've been bouncing between that just seem to naturally arise when you're considering these things. So the first thing being, it's come up a lot in what Kevin has said, and it's coming up in what Vincent, some of what Vincent has said of this idea of, yeah, you can say, okay, we're talking about romantic love. Let's use that label. But really it always comes back to a more universal sense of love, like between a mother and a son or a sister and a sister or a person and an animal or whatever, how you love nature. And I just think that that's true. And you'll always sort of come back to that when you try to think about, okay, let me specifically think about romantic love. It does feather, the edges feather into these other, because 
again, it's one of those things where it's like those simple necessary containers, like you have to have certain delineations. But really, when you get into it, it's like there are some love songs and love poems out there where someone is talking to their lover and they say like, I love you like my mother. I love you like my brother. I love you like my child. And it's like, makes sense. Um, with what Vincent is saying, as far as issues with worshiping the container, I think there's two things. First of all, what is the container holding, which we've been circling, but I have something to say about. And second, to me, like I was saying how quantum physics is the most useful for me, it goes back down to that breaking down of what we would think of as worship, or I think submission is a better word for what I want to talk about, what we think of as submission, that then when you enter the realm of quantum physics, so to speak, of love, it turns these things on their head. So on that subject of submission, I actually wrote this question in my notes, I think yesterday morning, I wrote, how much will we let love transform us? Do we become more like it or does it become more like us? So then this is back to a question of like, what is love? But in itself, that idea of what love is, is not limited. Like Vincent is saying, the problem is if you're like trying to tie it, it blocks up. But that's the funny thing is when you say, will I let love transform me? It's like love in my idea, at least it's limitless. So it's actually really more like, will I let the limitlessness transform me as opposed to me in my limited human self and my one little experience try and take this limitless thing and say okay now I've got an idea and this is how I'm gonna proceed um so a lot of what Vincent was saying as far as the problems of worship and submission to me what it was pinging off is a loss of self so with the idea of like language like okay Christ how Christ loved the church that can devolve into basically an idea that the idea of submission and coming together somehow means that you lose yourself, like you eliminate or you subtract or you make smaller. And to me, the quantum physics introduction of love is that in my mind, it actually creates both what you would call a loss of self and a more fullness of self in the sense that this phrase of like, uh, in the way of melding the felt experience and then the practical decisions like Vincent went through, which is really interesting to hear because I guess it should be obvious. But like when you talk, when you talk about finances, I was like, oh, I never in a million years would have thought of it. You're right. That's like such a big <laughs> and something that is actually really obvious. And everyone says it. I don't know why I didn't even think of it at all. But um, as far as uh, a practical decision, I would think you have to think if you're in love with someone and you're trying to actually make it work, you're the one I want to kill my ego with. And so it's not that you kill yourself, you have to want to kill your ego, which holds you back from a fullness of self and a fullness of connection with the other person. So I hope this makes sense of how connecting between both of what you were saying, but it's like, if you have an idealization of either the container for love or what love itself is, love is so beautiful if you submit to it and allow yourself to become more like it rather than making it become more like you because you're saying i embrace both in the felt and the practical facets the mistakes and the messiness and all of the flaws because it's going to show me that no matter how much i could idealize or create this perfect idea of what i think love is i'll always be wrong 
And it will actually, if I lean into the messiness and the mistakes and all these things, it will be more beautiful. And part of why it's more beautiful is because it shows me my own limitedness. And I want to lean more and more into like, you know, no matter how perfect of a love I could dream, I'm always going to fall short of how beautiful it is to make a mistake with somebody and then like heal from that together and then take what you learned. And then like, you know what I mean? Like, and that also speaks to what Vincent was saying about bonding and like, Part of why I think we know we need each other is because we remind each other. It's so easy to get so grandiose in our minds and about, right, like our ideas. And no matter if you consider yourself intellectually matched with someone else or not, if you actually commit to engaging with another person and no matter whether you're in love with them or not, but especially if you're in love, you're going to be shown your own limits and you're going to learn new things and you're going to your universe will be expanded. And then I think obviously if you're in love, it's like that potential for expansion is, is limitless. Um, so yeah, like, oh God, I wrote on a really dark group. I think my last thing. Yeah. It's like, I think what we're kind of saying, I think is like love is an invitation to replicate what I do think is universal across like the spectrum of all these different forms of love, which I do think in itself inherently like, like pure love. Why, why I said pure love is because I do think if it's pure love, it will naturally replicate a desire for truth. It will replicate a desire to lift others up, like getting into that conversation of like, how does it affect people around you? Like, I think there is a real kind of love, but that is selfish. And I think that in its nature, its core nature, like love is selfless and it replicates a desire for more selflessness around it. Um, so all things, you know, all the little pillars you guys are building it all like ping pongs against those. Are, yeah. Some of my thoughts. Vince, you will submit. <laughs> My thoughts on submission oh. and in relation to what you were saying you felt like was damn the most beautiful yeah because if, if the if the gist of what you're saying about the submission part is the definition of love is saying you're the person i want to kill my ego with i think anyone can if you're yeah, a no. human if, if you're a human being and you hear leslie say that and your heart doesn't leap with a sense of like that's it that how dare you that if your you heart doesn't, you, you are sick. You are, you are a sociopath no, as a human being. You are sick as a human being, or you are young or naive or image. Something is broken. Either you're young and you don't know yet, or something is broke. If you're like, if you're adult and responsible for shit in life and you're like in your young teens or older teens or young twenties, and you don't look at love and you don't look at life, like not only my partner, you're who I want to kill my ego with. Me looking at my church, you're who I want to kill my ego with. My friend group with you two or with Vince and Jojo, you guys are who I want to kill my ego. If you don't look at life like that, you something is severely, detrimentally broken about your shit. That is the point of life. Like when John the Baptist says he must be- Most people probably don't look at it that way, but they should. Because they're fucking We're all broke. When John the We're Baptist- all broken. When John the Baptist goes, think Christ- that was Christ said, the scripture is, wives submit to your husbands. Husbands love your wives. What does that look like? Like Christ loved the church when he 
died. I hear you. And there's that truth to pull out of it. But also you cannot avoid the fact that in that metaphor, in that verse, it's like men are God and women are humans. Men are gods. Christ is. If men are to love their wives like Christ loves the church, then men are Christ and women are the church. It's saying this is your template to follow. I know. And in the template, men are God. I know that's what it reads like. It's like the Holy Spirit. That is not what that passage is saying. In the passage, in the passage, it's saying, you are little Christ's, die. Your job is to die. You don't get to like lord it over and be a king and be a god and be the lead. You don't get to be the master. No, but you get to be the god who sacrifices themselves for humans. Like you cannot avoid in the in the metaphor in the verse, husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. So who's yeah, Christ me, and who's the church in this metaphor? Let me ask you something. What does it mean to be God? Let me ask you that as someone who believes in God. I asked that's, 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 that's a whole that's a whole episode yeah, actually, answer, <laughs> what, what it means what it what it meant for christ to be god in that moment when christ goes i didn't come to be served see for my conception of god when you have a god god is something that is worthy for you to fall at the altar and to worship to adoration to submit to unquestionably in that moment christ goes I didn't come to be served i'm, I'm here on mission from the moment i was born to the moment i died I came here to perpetuate a lifestyle that was to be patterned after, which was this, to serve, to give, to lay myself down at every single venture, unquestioning. When you look at Isaiah scriptures, meaning, so men aren't supposed to be the God, like this God in heaven who are, that's not the analogy. The analogy is, hey, hey, down from their godhood into human form to love and relate to women. I'm done. I'm done. I'm just saying, I hear what you're saying, but you're wrong. You're wrong. Okay. Well, I, I accept that. I, I can like men, men, interpret it that way, but for me, there is to be irresponsible to think implicitly, even if they don't consciously think it, that is the way it essentially is interpreted by a lot of at least American Christians, yeah, whether they want to admit it or not. And fuck, I know you have big problems with the American church, but like oh, that's again, not biblical, it's not biblical. Well, it yeah. isn't biblical. Number one, the Bible wasn't written in a Western mindset from a Western perspective, the Bible wasn't constructed by Westerners that the Hebrew language is so foreign in the way it depicts things to the Western mind that to think that the constructs we've made about the Bible and around Christian culture and church in the West somehow is like the accuracy. Fam, I will get look. My pastor had to admit to me. He had to apologize. Not Chris, this executive pastor. He had to repent to me because he wrote me off as a Christian because I cuss. Let's be very clear. The American manifestation of church and of the constructs of the Bible are so sick and cancerous. It's a, it's not even funny. Mm-hmm. This Just is not quick. What, what we are looking at is not at even a close shadow or glimpse of what the church was supposed to be, of what Christianity was supposed to be. Christianity is a laughable existence in society in the West today. Chinese Christians who die. Brazilian Christians who die to minister, to bring the gospel to tribes that literally kill them every year. There's a tribe. They raise up 10 missionaries. GCD does this. They go to a tribe. They raise up 10 missionaries to go back to that tribe and bring the gospel. And literally, they've been dying for years, martyring for you. They kiss their wives and daughters goodbye every year because they go to this idea, this capitalistic, construed, cancerous construction of Christianity in the West today is not biblical. 
Real quick, just to add to something that speaks to both what you're saying that I was thinking about when prepping um, to both of your points is I was thinking about the way that we say language. Um, well, we'll see. Well, after I say it, we'll see. But I was thinking about the ways in which a language like Christ loves the church and being, uh, again, not removing this conception from the historical reality of when the Bible was written. But if I'm not mistaken, when it was written, uh, men typically had many wives, but it was illegal for women to have multiple men. So to me, that speaks to what Leslie's saying is the patriarchal nature of this conception of love, but it's also speaking to the way that today we, uh, like a lot of Christians, to come to the point of like, that's not biblical, their conception of love is very monogamous, very cookie cutter, cis straight white man pursue cis straight white woman, they get married, have two kids and a dog and a white picket fence. Um, I'm not Christian, so I don't really have a dog in this fight, but I will say if, if you are and you are being biblical and you are tethering yourself to the container as the Bible sets forth, wouldn't that mean you would have to be a for a more patriarchal, but also a, it's not polygamy when it's just the men, but whatever the word is for a man with multiple wives. And I just thought that was interesting to think about because obviously a lot of today's, we don't really do that. Or at least we, we're not open to those kind of poly lifestyles, but that was kind of the historical reality in which the Bible was written. So context doesn't connotate tolerance or approval from God. Things happen in the context of historical accounting in the Bible when God steps into history at that moment in Israel in that limited space of time and existence. Because what was happening at that time was happening within God's people and God's nation does not connotate God's tolerance or approval or acceptance of what was going on. Now, what I sure. will say I is, mean, I, I'm, I'm not really invested if, if God likes it, but I think it's interesting because it will, regardless, influence the language that's it's, used. It's another like it's house. another cultural ism that it was a, it was appropriate for men to have multiple wives. And let's be clear. The only person, according to the Bible, who's supposed to marry one person is an elder or a pastor. Christian, everybody, Christians, Christians there is nowhere in the Bible where it says a Christian is only, it's American law. Jesus is the OG Polly. got it. There is, look at, look it up. Anyone who's a Christian, you're, listen to this, you're listening to this. I don't want, I don't care to argue culture. I don't care to argue American politics. I don't care to argue American law with you. If you're going to talk Christianity, you have to pull it from the Bible. If you go to your scriptures, there is no scripture that says you can only have one marriage partner unless you are an elder or a pastor. That's it. So to bring it back culturally, it was inappropriate, disapproved of, worthy of murder for a woman or not acceptable for a woman to have multiple partners. That was a culturalism of the Middle East, which still is today in very many countries that aren't even Christian. Let's talk about Muslim for a second. But Should we get punished? So it's not a thing of God going, yeah, yeah, no, no men should have multiple women. Aren't no, that's a culturalism, and it doesn't connotate tolerance or acceptance or approval from God. Patriarchal, all these things does not connotate acceptance, approval, acceptance from God. And Vince, you're wrong. Submit. Well, I, I, I mean, submission in the context of uh, like letting go ego. I think it's beautiful. And if that's the conception of submission, I would be down. But I don't think that's the one that that's most one people, right. nor, nor is it that most people operate with. I, I feel like that that's the exception of the rule. Yeah. I agree. That's and that's, I, an, I mean, I love that. Idea. V psychedelic. Yeah. Fuck is a it? shroom. Why is it psychedelic? 
psychedelic. Fuck a shroom. Vince, I Vince, I would know. Vince, Vince thinks I, like, I would know. Vince thinks hippies but, have like a monopoly yeah, on. That's Vince is such a. It's Vince is such a wait, fucking wait, 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 hippie. All, like it's such propaganda. It's Fuck you. Death. That's so propaganda. Like <laughs> what? Ego death. Literally, that's. Oh, I, I can mean, see. What happened? Uh, speaking of baths, he has a great song called. Um, is it ego death? Maybe I'm wrong. I think it's called ego he death. He would but, have a song. I haven't heard it. If he does, but I love him. All but right. I, I mean. That's beautiful. And psychedelics, because that's kind of what you're doing. You're, I think, shutting off a bit of your ego. Um, and that's where you get the experience of ego death, where um, new like synapses are created or whatever, because you have suspended your ego, which is has conditioned you not to be open to like new ways of thinking, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, fuck that. I'd rather get that from love. Not that I. Anyways. What up, Mama, what up, Mama if Smith? Met, if we haven't met our goalposts by next Valentine's Day, we have other plans together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'll still be in the military, so two Valentine's. Oh. Two Valentine's. Right, we got you. We got you. We got you. Listen, December 20, what is it? 21, 22, December 2022, December, I think, 27th or 28th. I will smoke all kinds of weed. Oh. I will do all <laughs> kinds of <laughs> We all need because we'll because we'll be in favor for the holidays, hopefully for Christmas. Bitch, I'm cooking and all kinds of crap. Never mind. The weed, the mushrooms, the LSD, fam, bring. I'm not co-signing any of this. <laughs> I'm doing it. If y'all don't want to come, y'all can stay. I'm Vince. I'm That's good. I'm... That'll be an interesting episode. Tune in. Episode. I'm talking about life. <laughs> Every day. Life Every... is the pod, Kevin. Pod is the life. I'm going to be wandering in the woods of Colorado somewhere high on LSD. <laughs> like, I see what Leslie's talking about. The dimension. The dimension. I have not done any of these drugs, just to be very honest. No, no, no. no but your you're wavelength of power. Me neither, just to be very clear. Me ne- artistically, the way Leslie expresses herself, like, if I hear someone who, like, has done LSD, like the, the 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 lens of beauty through which she filters life and nature and 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 like a lot of things like they're very psychedelic it, like when you hear people who do psychedelics and they come back and they go they just have this like appreciation of beauty and love and life and love and people and person and species and existence like it's very it's very akin to how you naturally as an artist see through your lens of beauty and, and filter things thank you that's something that i actually really want to sh- just explore not doing drugs but like i mean but just the thought of that that has always been a thing i think i've told you guys we're like for some reason people who are into that always have been drawn to me and music that i'm like i'll really like it and then i'll later find out like oh this is like stoner music i'm like oh interesting like it feels like my mind like it feels like at home Mm. (laughs) so (laughs) something there but wow what a journey speaking of this was a fucking psychedelic trip which was amazing. Um, thank you for tuning in to episode one of season two. As you can tell, it's going to have a slightly different flavor. We've all evolved a bit. We're all a year into the pandemic Ooh, and really big life down. changes. <laughs> We're all lonely. We're all thinking about love. So <laughs> fuck Jojo. Vincent has taken like six swigs straight from his bottle of what even is that? Is that vodka? <laughs> New Amsterdam. Okay. I don't even know what kind of alcohol. What kind of alcohol is that? Not great vodka. Oh, okay. Is it worse or better than Sky? Comparable, maybe. Okay. 
What do you think, Kevin? Neither. I mean, is vodka ever good? Like, who the fuck wants top shelf vodka? Like, uh, if you take Grey Goose ice cold out of the freezer, it's actually an enjoyable experience. I have touche. I don't don't get why y'all drink like Vince. Like some of the stuff you Vince has gotten uh, like a a former life. Vince has gotten like a, a, a 118 ounce bottle of vodka for like 50 cents from the like the local. And it's like, you know, it, most, used to, I used, it, it used to be a struggle. I mean, I don't do that as much anymore. And this I didn't buy this, to be honest. Leslie, it is the so I, I, I don't I couldn't speak on Sky or Amsterdam because I've never had those vodkas. Don't do it. Next time it's worse than moonshine. It's worse than moon. Like, oh, no, not yeah. homemade moonshine. It was actually delicious. That's what I'm saying. So it's, it was like you fruit can, infused. Yeah. You could germinate wheat better than the vodka that Vince is drinking. That bottle of. Well, sorry. Um, unless you're listening, New Amsterdam, then sponsor us. I'll pretend to love it. We'll take shots of it at the beginning of every episode. Yeah, I'm down. Thank you for listening to the Bottomless Podcast. Um, and we're on Instagram, Spotify, and YouTube and Twitter. So yeah, we love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we'd love to hear as always your thoughts about love. So in the comments or message any of us. Bottomless. <laughs>